I always try to like the, to make the congregants feel as at ease as I can. And so I'll tell you something true that just happened a little while ago. I went into the choir room with Wayne to hang out with them for a second or two and have prayer. And my buddies back there said, Ernie, you look out of place. And I said a little bit later on, I'm going to prove that. The country rock singer, Mac Davis, had a hit song that I used to love when I was a teenager. And it went like this. Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. Now, before you declare me certifiable or the most egotistical person you have ever had the misfortune to meet, let me assure you with every ounce of honesty I have that I am cogently aware that I'm not perfect. Of all the maladies that I have, delusions of grandeur just doesn't happen to be one of them. The way I preach certainly is not perfect. The way I deal with people certainly is not perfect. Having said that, I would categorically this morning submit that to talk about Jesus and baptism is for this over-the-hill, semi-hysterical, retired, ancient pastor. A perfect topic, a perfect assignment to be given. Before I go further, Wayne, I want to thank you and Ben and Kim and Mark and the choir for your help and presence in this service. We are fortunate at Calvary Baptist. We have a great pastor. We're blessed to have her. But we're also blessed to have so many dedicated people who seek to serve the church in so many ways and on so many levels. And that's a blessing. And I hope they know that those groups those gifts are appreciated. Ben, thanks for your help earlier this morning. Our cell groups this week in our journey with Jesus are looking at the topic of Jesus and baptism. After finishing my research for the cell group, after finishing my research for the sermon today, I concluded that I only needed about three and a half hours to barely scratch the surface of that research in this sermon. Relax. I would never do that to you in the first place. In the second place, the divorce settlement would bankrupt me. She's sitting right back there, and it would bankrupt me. Let me tell you, at the outset, the major conclusion of my research. Now, you don't have to take notes on this, but I will be giving a quiz a little bit later. Number one, Jesus Christ can change your life. The light of Jesus, number two, is both real and life-changing. Three, the light of Christ can bring a wonderful, even radical change to the life of a church. You know, beloved, we are fortunate 
right now in two ways. We are fortunate to have been the beneficiary of all the saints who contributed and worked hard to build what we have now. But we are also fortunate to be a part of seeing God-given change starting to take place in the life of our church. Now, the vision team's kickoff in September. Since then, I have seen the interest and the intent of people in our cell groups, in our journey with Jesus, grow and grow and grow. Now, I could be wrong with numbers, and if you knew me in numbers, you would know that I probably am. But I think we had 50 couple that day at the kickoff banquet, banquet at the kickoff meeting at Cerner Square. But I also think that now we have over 60, 65 people involved in the journey with Jesus. How cool is that? How cool is that? We're having a chance to experience a change. And that change that we're experiencing is unique. It's edifying. But not only that, it's a blessing. If you are in a cell group right now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. But if you're in a cell group, let me say, God bless you. If you're not in a cell group, let me say, do it. Do it not because this semi-hysterical, over-the-hill, worn-out pastor says do it. But do it because it can help bring life-changing light to your personal life and to the life of the church. And I mean that. Several years ago, my son and I were having coffee at Starbucks in Westfield, New Jersey. For some unknown reason, although I think I'll remember, but for some unknown reason, Jeff and I were talking about the fact that people just never change. That at a basic gut level, people don't change or they resist change or they try to forego the change or block the change. Even our approach to problems and obstacles often never change. And it was almost like a light went off in Jeff's head and he looked at me and said, Dad, it is what it is. I hadn't heard that. I hadn't heard that. And the first thought that came to my mind that I guess that we were way too far north of the Mason-Dixon line to say things like, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, or you can't change the stripes on a zebra, or you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I never understood how you would want to change the stripes on a zebra, but that's another thing. But I was ever so happy when Jeff said, Dad, we don't say those things up here. We say it is what it is. 
I was ever so grateful for the edification that I received from my son because now when I am in New Jersey, I can say it is what it is. Leads me safely, however, to three quick conclusions. People don't like change. And I am the worst offender. I tell people I like change. I just don't want to be around when it happens. My wife knows, especially when I pastored, I would go into almost severe angst if something happened to move the agenda. You know, I just didn't handle that well at all. People don't like change. People are resistant to change. But worst of all, and I'm going to biblically prove it in a minute, people are so predictable that they become sad. People are so predictable that you know what their responses are going to be before they open their mouth. And I submit to you that those individuals, and I'm one of them sometimes, have such little room for powerful, positive, productive change. My beloved, that may seem like a downer conclusion for a sermon. But let me brighten us up a little bit. Our history... Our experience from a biblical spiritual perspective leads me to give you a brighter conclusion this morning. It is the light of Christ, our endeavor to walk in that light, that leads us to powerful, positive, productive change. It is our Willingness to walk in the light of Christ. Our willingness to learn to know the man Jesus. Our willingness to allow our life to be transformed. That can be a powerful, productive change. The task facing this church are enormous. They're huge. But what a wonderful thing that there are 65 plus people right now meeting every week, taking a hike with Jesus. They even signed a pledge in their books that they were going to hang out with Jesus at least for a quarter. And I've got to tell you, for all the problems we may have in this church, that's a pretty good place to start. Ben Martin read for us this morning the story of Zacchaeus. I love that story. 
Zacchaeus was barely five feet tall, the shortest, at least the most unpopular man in Jericho, because he should have been. He was the head tax collector, and he made a killing out of it. He was probably the richest man in town as well. Frederick Buchner, in his book, Peculiar Treasures, says this about Zacchaeus, and I quote, In a moment. Zacchaeus was a sawed-off little social disaster with a big bank account and a crooked job. He was accustomed to living well. When he gave orders, people jumped. I used to work for him, I think. He was a sawed-off little social disaster with a big bank account and a crooked junk job. He was accustomed to living well, and he gave orders. People jumped. Yet this man of prominence must have had his doubts. You and I would probably say it was the Holy Spirit working on him. But he had his doubts. Perhaps in the recesses of his heart, Zacchaeus felt the shame of his situation. You know, I've been skimming and I'm getting rich and fat, but this feels kind of bad sometimes. For me, it belies explanation why a person of such prominence would make himself look so foolish on a day like that in Jericho. You know, you can almost visualize it. There he is. Climbing up a tree, now then they wore robes and stuff, and so that could have looked pretty. And there he was trying to peer through the branches to see this Nazarethan prophet. And Jesus shows up and says, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. I'm going to stay at your house today. He was hoping to get a glimpse of Jesus, and now he had a house guest. Three quick points. One, he repented. Two, he got the light. Three, people were predictable again. You know, when, 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 when you read the verse about him repenting, the first thing that crosses my mind, why'd he do it? I didn't hear Jesus saying, Zacchaeus, what have you been doing bad? I didn't hear that. He must have known. From being around the Prince of Peace, that the life he was living may be a little out of kilter. But he repented. And because he repented, he got the light. In verse 9, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek the lost. Because he repented, he got the light. But look at verse 7. People are so predictable. I even wrote the sermon down, the verse down in my notes. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He, Jesus, has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Who should have gone to see? The best robed Pharisees in town, maybe? You see, he's getting in trouble already. It is what it is. 
Sometimes we don't change. Sometimes we're we're comfortable, way too comfortable with our own status quo. And my beloved, that can be spiritually dangerous. Being baptized into the fellowship of Christ is a wonderful thing. Being baptized into the light of Christ's life is a wonderful changing thing. Following the example of Christ is a life-altering event. It is, however, I believe, as basic as the breath of life to having received that light. We must also walk in that light so that others may see us walk in that light and want to walk in that light too. And beloved, that's a wonderful blessing. When I was a pastor, I knew how to end the meeting In no time. If I said to the meeting, next week, we're all going to go out and witness for Christ. Oh, people would be splitting. You know, back it up and get nervous and worried. As worried almost as saying we're going to go out and do an every member canvas for the church budget. You see, sometimes we commit a huge, huge witness fallacy. We sometimes think that if we had the Bible studies, we sometimes think that if we learn the skills, we sometimes think that if we learn the right techniques and have the right programs, then we can witness to them. We know who needs the witness. It's them. We can load up our witness guns and go get them. We forget that there is no us and them in witnessing to the life of Christ. Because whether we like to know it or not, we forget that we are all sheep on a hill, scattered and sometimes lost in our own faraway lands. And we all need a shepherd. At some time every day in our life, we all need a shepherd. And this is so easy. The witness program for the Calvary Baptist Church, for the any church, is simply this. Our witness program is the promise of a loving God. A God who loved his children so much that he sent his son to die for us. A God who loved his children so much that he sent his son to be our chart and compass. A God who loved his children so much that he sent his son to show us the way when there is no way. A God who loves us so much that he sent his son to be our fan in the fiery furnace when we're up to our neck in alligators and don't know what to do. That's our witness. That we have a promise. A promise from God. Our job is to share that witness. Ben read to us from John 3.
Verse 21. But those who do what is true come to the light. Those who do what is true come to the light. The light is a life-changing event. I saw a piece of graffiti one time, and yeah, I can use it. The graffiti said, Jesus Christ is greater than any problem I have. I always wished, secretly, that I'd thought of that. I always wished that I'd had the gumption to write it down. Might have made me famous. Beloved, our walk with Jesus, our journey with Jesus is leading us, hopefully, in that wonderful conclusion. Because he is. So be it.